0: Please be seated. If you'll pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, we are glorified to be in your presence because we grasp onto the promise that we're two or more gathered. Your presence is here, and we pray for that, the spirit of your presence to open our hearts and minds to your words, that we might know you better through the scripture that you've left us. We pray all these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The reading this morning is Mark 9, uh, verses 33 through 37. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Um, We have had some technical difficulties, but it looks like everything's up. And it's also on the front of your um, uh, bulletin this morning. So if I mess up, everybody's going to know. And they came to Capernaum. Whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me.
1: If you ever get a chance, Google the term babies with beards. You will not be disappointed, I promise you. Uh, You will see gems like this one. Or this one. Or this one. And and this last one is one of my very favorite. (laughs) There are even great YouTube videos... That I may or may not have spent 30 minutes of my time watching and re watching. They are hysterical. And this week I had to ask myself why pictures of babies with beards and videos of babies with beards are so funny. And here's what I figured out two very similar reasons. One, if you're young enough to be a baby, there's no way you should have a beard. And conversely, if you're old enough to have a beard, there's no way you should be a baby. The two just don't go together. And while it's hysterically funny when you see it on the internet, it's kind of sad when you see it in church. Everyone's looking around, wait, is there a baby with a beard? Sadly, there are babies with beards in our benches. Well, Orlando, what do you mean? I mean that there are people in our churches across the country, across the world. And they've been in our churches for years. And it's no surprise to see them with nice, full beards. But they've stalled out in their spiritual maturity. They should be fully grown. But they are babies with beards. What's the problem? Why have they stalled out in their spiritual maturity? they stalled out in their spiritual maturity because they haven't matured to the point of service. And I know that in our minds, maturity and service don't necessarily go together, particularly in our North American Christian minds. It seems like we think the longer I've been around, the less I actually have to do the menial task of serving others. The problem with this thought is that is worldly thinking, but that is not kingdom of God thinking. This problems of babies with beards is not just a modern day problem. The disconnection between leadership and service has plagued the church even since the time of Christ. We can see it in our New Testament passage that comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. In your pew Bible, you can find it on page 1077. It says this, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I'm baptized, you will be baptized, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, one more time, we ask that you would challenge our hearts and motivate us into action for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When Jesus gives this really countercultural instruction In Mark chapter 10. It isn't the first time the disciples have heard these words. In our additional New Testament passage that Bob read, he reminds them even there if you want to lead, you have to learn how to serve. It's the same lesson that Jesus teaches them just one chapter later in Mark chapter 10. The passage we read. Here's what I know I know it's a hard lesson to learn. And it's a hard lesson to learn because it requires work. It's a hard lesson to learn because it really is all about laying our egos on the altar. I'm sorry, our egos on the altar. (laughs) Eat your waffles without worry, no guilt. It's all about laying our egos on the altar. I really do believe that the church in general desperately needs to understand the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach in Mark chapter 10. That's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to talk about that lesson for just a few moments. Here's a few things we have to understand. The very first thing we have to understand is that we have a mandate. What is a mandate? A mandate is not when two men go hunting and leave their wives at home. If you Google mandate... It gives you the definition of an official order or commission to do something. We have been ordered, we have been commissioned to do something. And that something is serve each other. On both of these occasions on, Mark, in the, on the occasion of Mark chapter 9 and on the occasion of Mark chapter 10, Jesus makes very clear the expectations of his le- uh, uh, the expectations of leadership in His kingdom. He makes very clear that le- the expectation that leadership requires service. Leadership doesn't exempt you from serving others. Leadership puts you at the forefront of serving others. I know. The world doesn't function this way. The world doesn't function where leaders are the first line of servants. That's not the way we think. In the world, the longer you've been somewhere, the less you have to serve. It's not the guy who's been at the office for 20 years who makes the coffee. It's the guy who showed up last week who makes the coffee. Leadership doesn't serve in our day-to-day practical life outside of the church. And that's the way the world works, but that is not the way the kingdom works. And sometimes that's why we have a hard time accepting this truth in the church. We have brought the expectations of the world into the church. We must understand that servanthood is not optional. It is not something that you get to do if you feel like it. If you want to, servanthood is how the kingdom works. Learning to serve is an integral part of your spiritual maturity. Let's look at it in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 and 44. If you'll leave those up there just for a few minutes, it says, But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you, look at this word right here. Look at this word right here, must be your servant. It does not say, Whoever would be great among you, it might be a good idea if they're your servant it doesn't say has the option of serving it doesn't say i would prefer that they serve he makes it very clear if anyone wants to be great among you they must be your servant And in the very next verse, he just wants to make sure that they get this idea very crystal clear in their minds. In the very next verse, Mark chapter 10, verse 44 says, whoever would be first among you, what? Must. Go ahead, back one slide. Whoever would be first among you, must. There's that word again. Not an option. Not a possibility a mandate, an order, a special commission. Whoever would be first among you must be, and here's a word that we cringe at, slave of all. It's really interesting that word slave in the original Greek, you know what it means? It means slave. It's exactly what you think it means. It's someone who serves others because they have that responsibility to. Do not think that your leadership in the workplace or even in the church is a mark of your spiritual maturity. It's hard to hear, but there are people in our churches across the world Who are successful in the eyes of their community and maybe even in the eyes of the people they go to church with, but they should be disqualified from leadership because their leadership is based solely on leading and not serving. If you are too proud to serve others, then you should not be in leadership. That's not Orlando's philosophy. If you didn't like hearing that, don't write a letter to me. Write a letter to God. Because that's how His kingdom works. We have to understand we don't have an option, we have a mandate, and that mandate is to serve. But we don't just have a mandate, we have the perfect model. This idea of this countercultural idea that Jesus is putting forth isn't just talk for him. It isn't just pie in the sky. Oh, let me say this. He, Jesus Christ, is the embodiment, the embodiment of a servant leader. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Listen, this is one of my favorite verses Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He's living it out. He says, I'm living this every day. I'm here to serve those I'm called to. As a matter of fact, he makes the idea very crystal clear on his last night on earth. On his last night on earth, he takes the towel and the water basin to teach them one final lesson. John chapter 13 verses 3 through 5. John 13:3 through 5 says this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, He laid aside his outer garment and, taking the towel, tied it around his waist. He then poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Do you see what's happening here? Understand, we we maybe don't get it. I think feet are nasty as it is. Oh, right? Someone's like, oh, okay, let me change it. I think baby feet are very cute. But other than that, and you know what? Just the idea of washing someone's feet is kind of a little bit, I'll be honest, a little bit repulsive to me. I've done it on occasions. Uh, But just the idea, uh, no. And that's because we live in a society where we wear shoes and walk on nice streets. We're talking about in the time of crisis society that wore sandals and walked in dusty, dung-filled streets with all the animals and everything passing through there. And then they get to dinner. And no one wants to eat dinner with dirty feet. And so it was the job of the lowest-ranking slave in the house to wash everyone's feet when they came to sit down for a meal And when the disciples get to the place where they're going to share the Last Supper, everyone has dirty feet and no one wants to do the dirty job. You know why? Because, oh no, if I do the dirty job, everyone's going to think I'm the lowest of everyone. And then Jesus himself, the creator of the universe, God made flesh, wraps himself in a towel. You know why? Because he understands, he knows that serving others doesn't diminish who he is. He knows that. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that serving others doesn't diminish who we are. Sometimes we can't serve because we've lost sight of who we are and we need someone to give us a reality check. You are, regardless of whether you serve, even in your moment of serving, you are an amazing child of God and your service does not change that. We need a reality check. I was at the Global Leadership Summit this Thursday and Friday. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go to the Global Leadership Summit, it's next year in August, around this time. I, I encourage you to go. You will leave there refreshed and encouraged as a leader. And one of the speakers, I can't even remember which one, told the story of Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali had boarded a, a commercial plane to fly, and at, everyone was seated, and they were ready to take off, and the stewardess makes the announcement that everyone needs to fasten their seatbelt so that the plane can take off. So guess what happens? Everyone fastens their seatbelt except for Muhammad Ali. The stewardess says, You know what? I don't want to embarrass him. Maybe he didn't hear the first announcement. I'm going to make the second announcement. Just to make sure. You know, the plane cannot leave until everyone has their seatbelts fastened. So we ask every passenger to fasten their seatbelts at this time. And Muhammad Ali does not fasten his seatbelt. She's like, oh, I don't want to embarrass him, but now I don't have any choice. I'm going to have to approach him directly. So she approaches him directly, and she says, Mr. Ali, we've made the announcement twice. The plane cannot leave the ground. We cannot take off and begin our flight until everyone has their seatbelt fastened, and so we're going to have to ask you to fasten your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali looks at her and says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. So she looked at him and said... Superman also don't need no plane. It was a reminder of who he was. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded that we are children of God, regardless of the circumstance. We need a call to reality. Jesus doesn't live it out only In these passages like John chapter 13 or Mark chapter 10, where he talks about servanthood. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. A great passage, it says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I want to stop there. This mindset is yours, and it's only yours when you really do have the mind of Christ. It's yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, On a cross. You know what that passage tells us? That passage tells us that God Himself left heaven that He might serve humanity. And we can't get over our own position, our own earthly position, to serve each other. We have the perfect model of servanthood. And if the Son of God can serve, Without diminishing his position as Son of God, then I think we can serve and not worry about our earthly positions being diminished or denigrated. We have a mandate, and that mandate is to serve. We have a model, and that model is Christ. And I was hoping for one last M word, but I couldn't come up with one. So we have a mandate. We have a model, and we have a choice. You get to choose today. Will you pick up one of these? It's a bib. And who wears bibs? Babies. Because babies are all about who? Themselves. When a baby's hungry at 3 o'clock in the morning... A baby does not say to himself, Hmm, I know that my mother has had quite a hard day today. I think I will let her rest until 7 o'clock, at which time then I will consume my meal. No. A baby's hungry at 3 o'clock in the morning and yells for you at 3 o'clock in the morning. Don't be stuck here in your spiritual growth. You have a choice. Will you pick up the bib? Or you can choose to pick up one of these. Will you pick up an apron? If a bib is all about me, 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 an apron is all about you, you, you. How can I serve you? You want to grow into a spiritually mature Christian? Get one of these. It's your choice. And I know you're sitting here saying, you know what? Boy, it'd be great to have a list. I always have a list. You know that. Here are ways that you can choose to pick up the apron today. We have pumpkin roundup in October. Set up, tear down, help at booths. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you are... um, Maybe the inner carny in you has been repressed too long. And you need an opportunity at a booth at, 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 at Pumpkin Roundup in October that we'll hold at Gilmore Ranch. You can call Kim Talley. I'm sure he'd love to sign you up. Did you know that our, our youth ministry is starting a, a children's home ministry team? And that's a new team to help make sure that the kids from the children's home are fully incorporated in the life and ministry of this church so that, that when they come here they feel like they're coming home. Maybe that's along uh maybe that's in your wheelhouse. You heard the announcement about Fun Fest? Fun Fest is coming up. We need people to cook and to set up Maybe you didn't know, but our elders take the time to visit uh, shut-ins and sick on a regular basis. They actually take turns one day a month, but there are still 12 empty days. Maybe visiting the sick is your thing. And you can say, you know what, I'll take one of those days and visit the sick once a month. Don't you love these flowers? There's lots of room on the schedule in the spring and summer. For someone to give sanctuary flowers in honor or in memory of someone. And you know what happens to those flowers after we're done? They don't go in the trash can. They get taken apart and made into smaller arrangements that are taken to our shut-ins. Maybe that's along your line of thinking. There are sound system operators. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Bill's been up there all morning long. And is that Jim up there also? Yeah, I think that's, oh, that's Sam. Okay, Sam Ives, great to see you up there, Sam. Didn't recognize you from here. But we, we need sound system operators. And guess what? It's not as hard as it sounds. If you can push a button, you can run the sound system. And we need people to rotate in so that people can have an opportunity to serve and then get fed and rotate in and out. We would love to have you operate our sound system. Maybe you're a gardener. We could use some gardening around the church once or twice a month to take care of the flower beds and to take care of the the, the planters that we have. We have a wonderful custodial staff here at church who does an amazing job of maintaining and keeping this uh, building functioning and clean. But they don't have time to do the gardening. But maybe you do, twice a month, come out and say, hey, I'll lay down mulch, mulch, I'll pull weeds, I'll make sure flowers look great. Pick up an apron. Because that's the moment of spiritual maturity. We have a mandate. And that's serving. We have a model. And that's Christ. We have a choice. Will it be the bib? Or will it be the apron? When Jesus concluded his evening lesson at the Last Supper, he said this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You've heard it. And now prepare. If you're prepared to do it, God's prepared to step out and bless you. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for your goodness and your faithfulness. And we ask that you would encourage us each to take on the apron and grow into spiritually mature leaders for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray.